electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. All right, today we got a counter trend rally. The Dow dipping 68 points. The S&P advancing 0.33%. I know the record. While the Nasdaq gained 1.05%. And you never want to be caught in one of these minor chord rifts. They exist to suck you in, but it's usually a trap. So what happened? Well, the CDC put a pause on J&J's COVID vaccine because apparently it can cause blood clots in women. In one case, it was fatal. Even though the risk here is no different than dying from the regular flu vaccine or the birth control pill, the regulators shut it down. And that caused the rotation from the reopening stocks to the lockdown stocks. Think Zoom or DocuSign, Peloton. Now, I don't believe this incident will put a dent in the great reopening thesis. Uh, but I want to take the other side of the trade here, especially since J&J hasn't been able to make enough vaccine to be a real factor here. That's a huge disappointment to me. But don't worry. It's all in Moderna and Pfizer, and I have total confidence in both of them. I think this is a good time, though, to reflect on the longer-term trends and worries, not the problems I think with J&J, which I ultimately believe will be ameliorated. So on the eve of earnings season, let me take this moment out to articulate seven concerns that I really am worried about. Ones that help explain why I recently took about, about $150,000 out of the market, meaning I sold stocks, from my charitable trust, which you can follow along by joining the ActionAlertsPlus.com club. Now, these are less things that keep me up at night. I always hear that, and I hate that. that. That's not what this is about. They're more, I think, let's call them possibilities that you have to keep an eye on. First are the earnings themselves. This week, we have bank earnings, and those stocks have run so much that their numbers need to be borderline perfect if they don't cause, well, you can't. Even though the financials are still relatively cheap versus the rest of the market, yeah, and they've got an improving yield curve, their stocks are coming in way too hot, and that's always a risk. I keep seeing J.P. Morgan, the stock reporting, opening up a buck, and maybe a buck and a half, maybe two bucks, and then slowly but surely working itself down to be flat. 
At which point, all the people who bought it higher puke it up. Sell, sell, sell. Because they have zero conviction. That's not encouraging. Look, bank earnings are always hard to get your head around. The headlines are a dice roll, and there are lots of dice rollers out there who could immediately be disappointed. So call me concerned that this red-hot group could hurt the tenor of the earnings season. My second concern, inflation. Now, look, I think Fed Chief Jay Powell is right that the current inflation spike is transitory. I see oil up well beyond where the fundamentals dictate, even with the great reopening, because Saudi Arabia wants to crush the U.S. oil industry. So eventually they'll open up the spigot and knock the price down. Crude could fall 10, maybe 10 bucks in a heartbeat if the Saudis even whisper they want it lower. Meanwhile, plastics, a huge part building block, right? They're only they're only really up because of severe shortages caused uh, by Superstorm Uri. But what if it takes months to get those plants restarted? Something like that seems increasingly likely. How about this port thing, right? I mean, is it really transitory? Port congestion is causing endless price increases. I, I, how long is this going to continue before we don't think it's transitory anymore? Again, I agree with Jay. I don't think we'll have to tighten anytime soon because of inflation. But I've been wrong before, and this is a legitimate concern, even as the consumer price index numbers this morning don't seem all that worrisome. Three, the stock club. Look, tomorrow Coinbase has its direct listing, and this is one of the largest companies to come public in years. Now, I actually like Coinbase, the stock. More on that later. I like it very much. But we've had so many IPOs and so many SPAC deals that I'm worried about the prospects of a $100 billion direct listing sucking money from everything else. While the SPACs have taken a temporary pause, that will soon end when altimeter growth merges with Grab, the East Asian ride-sharing, food delivery, and bank play, digital wallet, yeah, everything, right? Sounds uh, serious. Sponsors sticking around. But the bad SPACs far outweigh the good ones. And anything, anything that lures in new supply, I am telling you, is a problem. Remember, you got to sell to buy. There's not a lot of new money coming. Hey, by the way, at the same time, I don't like that 37% of the tech companies are losing money right now. Do you know that's the highest percentage of unprofitable tech outfits since 2000? Ooh, ominous. Too much supply, too many questions, not enough discipline. Real worry. Fourth concern, we've gotten complacent about COVID. Social distancing doesn't feel like a thing of the past. We act like we've, uh, we, we have the pandemic under control. Yet no one knows whether the vaccines work on all the new variants. I know people are sick of quarantining and vaccinations. Uh, save J&J. They're all going pretty well, though. We're not out of the woods. Right now, do you know that in, in Ontario, doctors may soon have to decide which patients can get an ICU bed and which can't? Hey, that's not some backwater. That's Toronto. In the U.S., the vaccinators seem to be outrunning the plague, J&J notwithstanding. But what happens if J&J's issue scares people out of getting vaccinated altogether? Still, we're all weary, which means we're letting our guard down. And these new, more dangerous variants could cause the economy to close again. Hence, the stay-at-home stocks roaring today on a belief that they will. Fifth concern, we are indeed overbought on the S&P oscillator that I swear by. At five tonight, it's not terrible, but it is where you have to sell something, as I did, because the oscillator is like a thermometer. Tells you if the market has a fear. Remember, I don't own stocks, but Chapel Trust is the seller. However, we have had an incredible run, and I'd feel much, much more comfortable if we follow that up with a gentle decline rather than some sort of cliff jump. The longer the market stays overbought, the more worried I get. Remember, on last week's Off the Charts, we highlighted a bold top call from the legendary Tom DeMarc. He thinks the Dow and the S&P are overextended. The oscillator agrees with him. You know, it's worth being a little more careful. Six, these shortages really do worry me. 
especially the semiconductor shortage. Without chips, there isn't anything most manufacturers can do to boost production. Ford and GM simply can't cash in on demand, and I don't see that getting better, at least not fast enough. GM had some hopeful news on the tape today, but you know what? I don't think it's going to make that much of a difference. Now, I am glad the president's focused on this issue, but you can't just throw up new factories in a few months. Even the president can't get that done. It can take years. The semiconductor capital equipment companies are already working around the clock to make more machines. That's why Applied Materials, KLA, Ram Research, they keep hitting new highs. NVIDIA can't be the only chip stock to rally, though. And, And by the way, after yesterday's analyst meeting, I think it's more of a software-hardware stock now. We have shortages throughout the system because years ago, our companies decided to handle inventory in a just-in-time manner. You can blame our business schools for that. If, there, if there's any disruption, the whole system breaks down, and you can't make anything. You know, I got to think, China, they operate on a just-in-case basis. So they're in a much better situation to cope with these disruptions. Finally, concern number seven, and this one's got me the most concerned. Because it's beyond my ken. It's foreign policy. We have a new president. It feels like everyone from Iran to North Korea to Russia, even China, wants to test his resolve. Now, I'm most worried about China, which seems determined to show Biden that it doesn't want to hear anything about human rights or it'll make a move on Taiwan. I actually think they're bluffing. But that's not the kind of thing you want to bet on. To me, this potential flashpoint is the most dangerous storyline in the world right now. I have to hope it's all posturing. But it makes me nervous when China does something like sending 25 planes over Taiwanese airspace last night. Hey, they're playing a game of chicken with a conflict that could possibly trigger, well, some would say World War III. I think that's extreme, but holy cow, I don't like it. The bottom line, look, I'm not a bear, but there are legitimate concerns here, which is why we sold a bunch of stock for my charitable trust on the eve of that conference call I gave last week. Listen to me. This market can handle one or even two of these potential problems, but it can't handle all of them, not when all these stock is being offered. So why not exercise a little prudence, raise a little cash in case something goes wrong, even if it means buying some Coinbase with some of the leftovers. Let's take calls. Let's go to Kibrit in Ohio. Kibrit. Booyah, Jim from Cincinnati, Ohio. How are you? Oh, man, Cincinnati. Home... Home of Sarah Eisen. What's happening? I'm a young investor, AAP member, big fan of the show. Yes. I've been watching a little over a year now since work from home started. I wanted to ask you about okay, Brunswick you. Corp, BC. I bought it last July after your recommendation. I got a 52% return on it. It's only about $4 off from its high. So should I hold log gains in order to buy Lily and UMP like you mentioned last call on Thursday? I think you should sell half and buy some Lily, which we bought today for the charitable trust. Stock is incredibly low. I bought it too soon. I understand that. Brunswick is a great company. It's a great stock, but it has really made a run. And I would prefer to see it down a little before I would tell people to buy it. So I can't tell you not to trim that position a little bit. Just a little bit. Sell, sell, sell. I need to go to Bud in Ohio. Bud! Booyah, Ski Daddy. Thank you for taking my call. Yo! Of course. Hey, hey, Jim, yesterday morning on CNBC, you called Bitcoin a store of value, and you even joked about wanting to be paid in Bitcoin. In past years, when inflation had entered the conversation, I always heard of gold being the store of value. Is Bitcoin supplanting gold as a store of value, and is that why gold is down while other commodities are up? And would you still recommend well, let's put this way. gold? No. 
Yes, well, put it this way. If if I said I was going to be paying Bitcoin and I wanted it, I would have gotten a raise today. All right, so here's the problem. I I have always said 10% of your portfolio should be in gold. I now think that 5% should be in gold and 5% should be in crypto. So while I still believe in gold and in Barrick gold, I have to believe that, you know what, after all we're seeing, crypto's for real. Crypto is for real. All right, now, I've just given you seven reasons why I'm cautious about some parts of the market and why I think it wouldn't be so wrong to do a little trimming. The market can handle a couple of these headwinds, but certainly not at all, especially with all this stock being sold. I want you to take some profits so you have some cash for the next sell-off. Oh, man, tonight, Novacure is spearheading a way to change cancer treatment, and the stock is soaring up 50% today alone. I'm talking with the CEO about the news behind the move. Then I'm taking calls from you, Kramerica. Through the market's ups and downs, I always got your back. I'll be answering your most pressing questions just ahead. And it's not off base to say Coinbase is unlike any market debut the market's ever seen. I'm breaking down the company's prospects ahead of tomorrow's IPO. You do not want to miss it, so stay with Kramerica. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also, a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to Indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Mad Money mantra has always been about helping you, the home gamers. 
It's been my mission from the start to try to help you make some money. So tonight we're fielding some questions directly from the loyal citizens of Kramerica and seeing what you want to know. Not necessarily what I want to tell you. So without further ado, let's take some calls. I want to start with Terry in North Dakota. Terry! Jimmy, thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. I'm looking at buying a position in DraftKings. The stock has been on a steady run over the past 12 months. It closed today at 59 and some change. Should I buy now or wait? Well, the stock is down a lot, Terry, and I've got to tell you, I still think that everywhere that people want gambling, it gets on the agenda, it gets on the voting booth, and then people vote for it, which I think is great for DraftKings. And I like the fact that DKNG has come down enough that I think you can buy a little. Now, that said, people have to know, I have a relationship with DraftKings. I had a show, Bull Market Fantasy, with them. So you could say I'm not independent, but I do like DraftKings very much, and I thank you for the call. How about we go to Jerry in California? Jerry! Yeah! Okay, hi, Jim. Uh, always enjoy your show from uh, the South California coast out here. Um, oh, I thank got, you. Uh, you're welcome. I got Logitech on your very excellent advice, March of last year, actually, and uh, wondered your uh, hit on uh, holding it long-term. It's so volatile. Or is this is it a good long-term hold or off it? Okay, so you're up. Um, you've, you've caught basically, I would say, uh, almost a triple. So I like to take out my cost basis when I have a triple. That said, I think that Brack and Darrell's got an amazing company. If you listen to Jason Wong yesterday on NVIDIA, it's very sure that we've got about 400 million gamers in the world. That means Logitech is going to continue to do well. Why sell some then? Discipline. Gary in Maryland. Gary. Yes. Go ahead, Gary. Gary? Hello. You're up. Hey, Gary, I hear you. It's Jim. What's up? Oh, how are you, Jim? Booyah. Booyah. Right back at you. Hit me with something. Okay, uh, I got this uh, Bank of America. I had it for so long. I had it since 2003, and they haven't done really that much. They're, they're, they're hanging around 40. They come out with their earnings on Thursday. I'd like to know... What the you know? What do you think about the earnings when they come out? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, look, I got to tell you, I I think that Bank of America longer term may not have been that good, but wait a second. I mean, it's been fantastic of late. The stock is still well below its all. It's a high from before the Great uh, Recession. I think Brian Moynihan's doing a real good job at thirty nine. I would hold on to the stock. Derek in California, Derek. Hi, Jim. The stock I have for you today is Mattel, ticker symbol MAT. I bought the stock in April and May of last year for an average cost of around $9 a share. And since then, it's been a big winner in my portfolio. However, I wanted to hear your thoughts on the stock's valuation, where it sits today, and also whether or not uh, you think it's worth holding as the economy begins to reopen again. All right, so here we go, Derek. My discipline is conflicting with my conviction. I think that Enon Cries, the CEO, is doing a remarkable job, and I'm pretty confident that I think Mattel can go higher. Business is darn good. I also am a big believer uh, that I think you can take out your cost basis, and then you play for free. You play where the house is money. You can't lose. So those are the, uh, you know, you got to know thyself. 
Are you part of the former or are you part of the latter? Either one is fine, but Enon cries is a winner. And the Mattel game plan he told me about when the stock was at 10 continues to live on. All right, I always say I got the smartest viewers on television, and I like to talk to you. I am here to help you through the ups and downs. The show is for you, Kramerica. Now, much more mad money ahead. The crypto craze continues, and with Bitcoin hitting an all-time high today, the move comes just as investors count down to Coinbase's highly anticipated debut. Hey, you know what? I think you want to know about what I think about your direct listing. You know, I think it's going to surprise you, all right? We're going to break down the trading platform's potential before it's listed on the NASDAQ. And you can still, still, still take action tomorrow morning. Then, is it buyers beware? I'm digging into the market's latest moves, the recent shift in momentum, and what it means for your portfolio. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. David, you can't just double the valuation based on what? What happened at the company that it got doubled? Tell me, David, what? I don't have an answer for you, and I think that's the appropriate question to be asking at this point. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Okay, tomorrow we get the most hotly anticipated stock market debut of the year. Well, at least so far, with the direct listing of Coinbase, the largest cryptocurrency exchange platform in America. So what do we do with this thing? I think Coinbase is the real deal. The numbers are incredible, but I hate the timing. One of my biggest fears right now is that we have a growth stock glut. Just too many of these things, especially in tech. That whole cohort could get clobbers. Investors light up their turbocharged growth holdings so they can raise money to get a piece of this one. Of course, I don't blame anyone for wanting a piece of of, of Coinbase. Not at all. This company is the way to play all cryptocurrencies, not just Bitcoin. So you have all your bases covered. I'm very impressed by the people at Coinbase. Very good management. They seem to know what they're doing. However, the stock could be insanely volatile, and that's going to be a real issue, meaning it's not for everyone, and you've got to be real disciplined about buying it at the right levels. So let me give you the pros and cons on this one. That, that way you can decide for yourself, which, of course, is what this show's about. The bull thesis here is pretty straightforward. 
First, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin have made people fortunes, but many investors don't want to buy them directly, either because setting up a cryptocurrency wallet is a hassle or because they don't like fractional shares in a volatile asset that trades at $63,000. Maybe you don't want to pick among maybe a, a dozen currencies. I mean, it's pretty confusing out there, even if you believe in the category as a whole. Whatever the reason, these investors would rather own a stock, especially mutual funds that can't own Bitcoin directly. So anything with even a tangential connection to cryptocurrency has given you some tremendous performance as Bitcoin has surged over the past six months in a beautiful fashion. Uh, think financial technology plays like Square and PayPal that let you buy and sell cryptocurrencies. Of course, those aren't pure plays, though. Once Coinbase starts trading, it instantly becomes the gold standard, a pure play crypto exchange that's publicly traded. The scarcity value is enormous and has tremendous security in a world where people worry about whether their cryptos are secure. It's a real vault. Second, Coinbase is the leading crypto exchange by far, with continually growing market share. They pioneered this entire industry. In many ways, they're a crypto kingmaker. And as Mel Brooks explained in History of the World Part 1, it's good to be the king. When Coinbase started operating in 2012, the total market capitalization of crypto assets was less than $500 million. Now that number is well above $800 billion, with a B. And as crypto grows, Coinbase grows, especially since the company makes the vast bulk of its money from commissions. At the end of 2012, the company had 13,000 users. Now they have, are you ready? 56 million users, up from 43 million just three months ago. I love that kind of growth. Hey, speaking of user growth, when Coinbase released its first quarter results last week, the numbers were, they were, they were stunning. Monthly transacting users came in at 6.1 million, up from 2.8 million last year. Coinbase has $223 billion worth of assets on platform, equivalent to more than 11% of the entire cryptocurrency market, up from 90 billion last year. Now, more important, Quarterly trading volumes came in at $335 billion, which is 73% higher than their total trading volumes for 2020. Coinbase generated $1.8 billion in revenue, up a staggering 844% year over year. That's a monster acceleration from the previous quarter, where they had an incredible 495% growth rate. Now, why do people keep floating a $100 billion valuation? How about earnings? Their net income for the first quarter was more than double their net income for the whole 2020. Of course, all this is tied to the massive rally in Bitcoin, which surged from around 4,000 at its lows last March to 10,000 at the end of September to 29,000 at the end of last year to 63,000 right now. That's one of the big negatives here. Coinbase is in the, in G, it's joined at the hip to the crypto market. And hey, hey I got to tell you, this Bitcoin has just been out of control. In fact, management gave three separate full-year forecasts, a bull case, a base case, and a bear case, depending on cryptocurrency prices. In the bull case, they expect 7 million monthly transacting users. The key metric here in the base case, which assumes flat crypto growth and low to moderate volatility, they're expecting 5.5 million monthly transacting users, down substantially from the roaring first quarter. Oh boy, and in the bear case, well, that's a crypto meltdown, in which case Coinbase sees 400 million monthly transacting users. Long term, though, I expect the cryptocurrency uh, economy to keep growing and growing. I think Bitcoin alone could eventually get to a $3 trillion market capitalization, which would be fabulous for Coinbase. Crypto advocates love to make bold pr- proclamations about how Bitcoin will revolutionize commerce or free us from the tyranny of fiat currency, to which I say, who cares? What matters to me is that there's a tremendous appetite for this new asset class, and it's not going away. You don't have to be a believer in crypto. The concept to believe in is 
crypto the investment. And if you want to play it, Coinbase has a lot going for it. Granted, there are some potential pitfalls, too. New competition, questionable long-term profitability, the very possibility real regu- of real regulators, real regulations coming in. Any tax concerns, you understand. All that said, I would absolutely be a buyer at the right price. So what's the right price? Well, tonight Nasdaq set the reference price of $250, which is a bit of a surprise given that it trades privately. And lately, the private price has been closer to $350. But I wouldn't pay too much attention to that reference price because the actual opening will be determined by supply and demand. Probably won't come until late morning or early afternoon. It'll probably substantially be above that if the history of these kinds of stocks is any indication. And it will be. So far, we've also gotten price targets from two different analysts. A month ago, Gil Luria at DA Davidson initiated coverage with a 195 target, although that was before we knew about the amazing first quarter results. Then, far more important, just this morning, the incredible Lisa Ellis at Moffitt Nathanson pounded the table with a buy rating, and get this, a $600 price target. Ellis argues that you have to value Coinbase like the other ultra-fast-growing fintechs and software stocks. Maybe it deserves itself for 18 times her 2023 sales forecast. She loves the scarcity value, but acknowledges that Coinbase's core business is incredibly volatile. Let me read you a snippet because she makes a great point. Quote, investing in Coinbase is not for the faint of heart, as the business and the stock will likely see dramatic, potentially protracted swings. We primarily recommend this stock for investors with a multi-year time horizon who have the fortitude to weather ups and downs. End quote. I couldn't agree with her more. I don't like to bet against her either. It's been a fool's iron to bet against her. So crypto... Coinbase lets you play all the cryptocurrencies. It's going to have a tremendous scarcity value. But riding this one is going to be like a bucking bronco without a saddle, a real rodeo. My fear is that there will be so much initial demand, the stock will soar to a ridiculous level right from the get-go. And then, because there's no lockup on insider selling, you can see a tidal wave of profit taking that triggers a massive sell-off similar to the Slack direct listing a couple of years ago. But that could create a fabulous buying opportunity as long as you're prepared to accumulate this one gradually. Now, I'd love it if you can get Coinbase in the low 300s, around 10 times sales. That seems unlikely. If you're willing to pay 15 times sales, eh, not unreasonable, then this is a $475 stock. That's the upper end of what I'd be willing to pay for a large position. Still, you've got my blessing to put on a decent position at the opening, maybe half of what you'd normally purchase in one go, and, and then buy more, but only if it comes in. The bottom line. If you, like me, well, then you're a big believer in cryptocurrency, and you will want to own Coinbase for the long haul. Fortunately, by their own admission, this should be a ridiculously volatile stock. So if you're patient, you could eventually be able to get in at a good price. I say buy some tomorrow, uh, ideally at less than $475, but I accept that some has to be bought. And then wait to buy more on weakness and get ready for the bumpiest ride of your financial life. A ride I expect to be lucrative over the long haul. There's much more bad money ahead. Uh, oncology company Novacure saw its stock take off today after it announced updates for its trial for the treatment of non-small cell lung cancer, the unfortunately largest cancer market. I'm digging into the news with the executive chairman. Then what happened to the gods of momentum in the market? I'm taking a closer look at the market's change in attitude. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with... Kramer. Did you see that amazing move today in the stock of Novacure? The Kramer Fave company that's pioneered a revolutionary way to fight cancer. 
For the past two decades, they've been working on using electric fields to disrupt cell division in solid tumors, making it much harder for cancer to spread. They call the technology Tumor Treating Fields, or TTF for short. Now, the stock had already been a huge winner. We started recommending it this point, way back in 2017. The stock was at 18 after a friend was able to get three extra years of life because of Novacure brain, brain cancer's work. I mean, this is that TT Fields well, let's just say it's it, 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 it's, it, it, it's a miracle. Well, now the stock is at $197 after a spectacular 50% run just today. Judging from that move, you think that Novacure got a takeover bid. I know that's what I thought. But this was all about clinical trial data. In a phase three trial for stage four non-small cell lung cancer, an independent monitoring committee gave them permission to accelerate the study. Even better, they recommended moving some patients from the control arm, the ones getting a placebo, to the treatment arm. Because it would be unethical, their word, to deny them Novacure's technology. That's quite an endorsement. No wonder the stock cured. Just roared. It's kind of shocking, but that's what happened. So let's check in with Bill Doyle. He's the executive chairman of Novacure. Get a better sense of what this all means. Mr. Doyle, congratulations and welcome back. Uh, good evening, Mr. Kramer. Thank you for having me. Well, Bill, you've been on a, a lot of times and you know we're huge believers, but even we were surprised when we saw that this committee just didn't think, I guess it was ethical to keep people in the trial knowing that some might die. So, Jim, when these long cancer trials are approved by the FDA, uh, most often they require what they call a, a data safety monitoring committee. Uh, this is a completely independent committee. Uh, in our case, it consists of two oncologists and one PhD statistician. And that committee is observed with, if you will, peeking at the data periodically, primarily to make sure that uh, the, the trial does not have some unexpected side effect or that okay. it's clear it's not going to work. Because in a multi-year study, it doesn't make any sense to continue to uh, recruit patients um, if it's clear already to this data monitoring committee that it's not going to be successful. Rarely, uh, they'll look at the data and do their statistical analyses and come to the opposite conclusion. Uh, this happened when with our brain cancer trial uh, at what they call the interim analysis. They determined that it wouldn't be ethical to continue because the data were already so good. Um, and in essence, that's what we announced today in our non-small cell lung cancer trial. Uh, the interim analysis was performed. This, 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 is a, uh, this is a very big market. This is not like just, uh, I don't want to say any cancer. My mom died of kidney cancer, but that was a smaller market. What you see today is something that uh, if, the, if the, you get this into the market, there'll be many people who will benefit from it. Absolutely. And of course, that's what, why we're, we're doing this. Um, but you're, you're absolutely right. The business that we built today in glioblastoma, it's a deadly cancer. We built a large profitable business, but it's a relatively rare cancer. Non-small cell lung cancer is the number one cancer killer in the U.S. and the number one cancer killer worldwide. And remember, Jim, our therapy is meant to be used with the best standard of care. So we're not competing with drugs. And in fact, this trial, our lunar trial, uh, looks at tumor treating fields with chemotherapy and with immunotherapy. 
therapy. And it's that second arm, quite frankly, that I'm the most excited about because that's the direction uh, that uh, many cancers are going in oncology, as you know. Um, but immunotherapy does not work for all people. Um, and it appears that when you use right. immunotherapy with tumor treating fields, it's more effective and it opens up the benefits to many more people. Well, Bill, what shocks me, all along, you and I have been talking. I had the great luxury of having you on when my friend passed away, and you and I both know him, and you know how long he was kept alive by your product. Why is the medical community so slow to endorse or understand, even though you say it should be done with other therapies, what, how special Novacure is? This is something that you've been talking about for years. I've been talking about. It just seems like it doesn't get, at a $20 billion valuation, what it deserves. Well, I agree with you. I think this really is still the tip of the iceberg because one of the key attributes of tumor treating fields is that it's worked in every cancer type that we have tested, both in the lab and in human trials. But it is a fact for each cancer type, we do have to go through the phase three trials that the FDA and other regulators around the world require. So it's, it's you know, at times frustrating because I know other patients uh, or, or I believe other patients could, could benefit, but we need to go through that process to prove it uh, for each cancer. But it is a virtuous cycle. As we proved it in GBM, it makes the recruitment of the new trials easier. As we start to see great news like today's great news, it, it gives more confidence for the, for the GBM physicians, which allows us to grow our business, which allows us to invest more. So we have phase three trials recruiting in pancreatic cancer, which, you know, if you know anyone who's suffered from that disease, it's another terrible cancer where there's not much progress. We have an ongoing phase three in ovarian cancer, which is one of the leading cancer killers of women, of course. Uh, we're just starting phase two trials in gastric cancer in China, which is a major killer in, in, in China. And we're, we will report soon data in our liver cancer phase two. So we're not stopping at the lung. Uh, we're uh, focused on all of these terrible solid tumors. Bill, look, I just appreciate uh, what everything you've done when you come on the show. More importantly, there are many people who, like me, I, I don't. This is not false hope. Novacure does not give false hope. Uh, and I want to uh, congratulate all the people who have been in the stock literally since 1718 when you first came on. Bill Doyle, executive chairman of Novacure, NVCR. The stock is not expensive if all those different all those different uses come true, and I think they will stick with Kramer. Coming up next. Let's make money together. What do we got? Kramer's bringing the thunder and answering your burning questions in today's edition of The Lightning Round. It is time. It's time for The Lightning Round. And just to be sure. Oh, <laughs> what is that? Give me a chance to ring that one! When you hear that satellite runs over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Some of the light round comes on some of Gary in Washington. Gary! Hey, Jim. First time caller. Thanks for all your help. My stock Absolutely. is way off its high, but it was up a little bit today. The stock is Regeneron. 
Is it a good buy? All right, it's time for the NIH. Time for the NIH and the CDC to get their act together and start pushing what Len Schleifer and Dr. Yankopoulos have, which is something that gets you out of the hospital very quickly. I am getting very angry at them. They should be playing ball and helping people, not just throwing rocks at this. This is crazy. Now I need Al in New Jersey. Uh, Al. Hi, Jim. This is Al. I'm calling in. My stock is Bumble, B-M-B-L. I am am a believer. Whitney Wolford. I am a believer in her. I am a believer in what she's doing and what she's created. The stock is down. General Propagating Brad in Florida. Brad. Jimmy Chill just had a quick question. By the way, I hope the Eagles draft uh, Jalen Phillips or Gregory Rousseau. I'm big for a you guys need some pass rushers. Yeah, that might be but I just had a quick question. Right. Yeah, you guys, you should. These guys are beasts. I just had a quick question on CME. Is it a buy here, investment in banking, crypto? Oh, yeah. I like CME very, very much. Bye, bye, bye. I'm going to give you a twofer. I like Coinbase and I like CME. Hey, let's go to Jason in New York. Jason! Booyah, Jim. This is Jason out of Long Island. Booyah. Quick shout out to my amazing, beautiful girlfriend, Danielle. So, Jim, I bought a company that was on man. show... <laughs> okay. I bought a company I was on your show a while back. It had a big pullback. Um, looking to see what you think of plug power. My plug powered accounting issues, and I've been still trying to get my arms around them, uh, and I'm having trouble doing that. And I think that uh, that's why I'd like to have Andy Marshall on to really go over what happened here. I need to get to the bottom of the accounting irregularities. All right, let's go to Steve. Steve is in my home state of New Jersey. Steve! Hey, Jim, Steve from Mawa with a big Three Stooges. Booyah, 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 booyah. Yes, gotcha. Jim. Hey, is that the sun? I don't know. I'm doing this town. Go ahead. Call it about a stock you covered months back that I subsequently bought. They're in a phase three trial for a drug that treats schizophrenia. The stock is Karuna Therapeutics. I want to double down and buy more and hopefully create some good karma for those folks who would benefit from this new drug. What do you think, Jim? Oh, Pigeon Dr. Larry, Pigeon Dr. Fine. Um, Okay, look, this is a very serious illness. Nobody's really been able to crack it. It would be unbelievable if they could. Um, It's a decent speculation. I would have a little bit on, but I hope they can do it. But no one's been able to crack that one. I really think that it's probably going to be very, very difficult. My heart goes out to anybody who's a family member or anyone who's watching. All right, now I need to go to Maribeth in Florida. Maribeth. Good evening, Jimmy. How are you? Maribeth, I couldn't be better. How about you? I'm fabulous. Thank you. It's sunny here and life is good. So I have a question for you concerning warehouse. Yes. Give me your um, input Mm -hmm. on that, please. It's finally moving, for heaven's sake. I mean, it's been such a dog for so long. Warehouse has done one thing that is really right. It has stayed in the lumber business, which is on fire. Uh, you can hold it, but I do worry that, uh, that that particular commodity, if we make a deal with Canada, is going to go lower. I need to go to Mike in Virginia. Mike. Jimmy Till, booyah! Oh, man, hit me, hit me, hit me again. Yeah, baby, booyah! <laughs> hey, like like glad that. to see you're back in the glad to see you're back in the saddle, my friend. My brother Bobby and I defer to you for investing enlightenment. Here we go. 
Well, so, okay. got it. So my position with the cannabis leader, APRIA, ticker APHA, tanked after yesterday's lackluster earnings call, which sent that stock spiraling downward in a hurry. As you know, tomorrow, both APRIA and Tilray shareholders will cast their votes on whether to merge or not, which could create the world's right. largest international cannabis company. So that said, mm-hmm. Jim Field, here are my, here, here's my question for you. Okay. Provided, okay. Both sides okay. appro- provided both sides approve the merger vote, would you ride Afria's short-term wave, take your profit and close out, or would you go long? Okay, look, I'm be really honest with you. That last quarter was not what I wanted. Irwin Simon's good, but that was not a great quarter. I think if it gets a pop on the finish of the merger, sell, sell, sell. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Kramer reveals a piece of timeless wisdom. Find out where something goes after it goes up. go what happened to all the enthusiasm for electric vehicles for fuel cells for gambling for cryptocurrency derivatives and SPACs and disruptive technology did the people who love GameStop and AMC more than life itself somehow vanish into thin air some of this is just the sector rotation with money managers dumping sell 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 those formerly hot stocks for the great reopening place But that doesn't explain where all the newly empowered individual investors, remember the democratized investors disappeared to? I think part of it is that the buyers just got too aggressive. These stocks were doing so well that people either switched to call options for a little extra juice or bought them with borrowed money. When things started to break down, though, they had no staying power, just like Arkegos when it got the margin call of a lifetime. There wasn't much capital behind these Murraymen, so they couldn't put up more money, even if it made sense to do so, because it's what you have to do when you buy stocks on margin and they get hammered. As for the ones who bought call options, well, their investments were just completely wiped out. That's quite the learning experience, isn't it? I think it explains why the new stimulus checks didn't lure many people back into the Wall Street casino. On top of that, the Murray men worked through their way of the five stages. Remember I kept talking about that they worked through the five stages of sell-off grief and the last one's acceptance. In their case, acceptance means the buyers who got burned decided to just sit on their positions, many of which were cut in half until they came back at some nebulous point in the future. That's what they keep saying, right? That really drives up the volume because they're not in there buying. Meanwhile, many of these new investors simply left the stock market and went on to other things, like Bitcoin itself, which is the chief reason why a Bitcoin dealer like Square has performed so well. Some of those younger home gamers might come back to the market for the Coinbase direct listing tomorrow. As for the SPACs, well, I think they killed themselves with too many offerings. We've had an insane number of SPAC deals, and most of them can't be winners because there's not enough money to go around. The losses started right after Churchill Capital 4 snapped up Lucid Motors and saw its stock crash because the terms of the deal were less advantageous than people hoped. That's when we knew the SPAC playbook had stopped working. We have a new round of SPACs coming in absurd valuations. All I can say is please be skeptical of $40 billion SPACs that were just worth $20 billion in their last 
financing. Of course, the electric vehicle price might have held up better if Tesla stock hadn't collapsed, but that's a tall order given that rotation of the cyclicals. That said, you know what? It's never too late for Tesla to rescue some of its electric compadres, but let's face it, I still think Tesla should be bought, not necessarily all the others. How about the meme stocks like GameStop and AMC? Their moves were premised on the idea that might make, yeah, let's say that might makes right in the stock market. Mike might's right. I mean, if you just get enough people together and buy something en masse, can't you push up the price? Especially if there are a lot of overextended short sellers to bust. But stocks aren't just pieces of paper, people. They're attached to actual enterprises. And those enterprises can always issue new shares. As long as GameStop's management chose not to do a secondary offering and issue new stock to the public, its militant supporters could claim that Ryan Cohen, the incoming chairman, and also the trigger puller now that the CEO seems to be on his way out, believed the stock was undervalued. However, when GameStop filed to sell 3.5 million shares, presumably with Ryan Cohen's blessing, that notion went right out the window. The Wall Street's bets crowd, you know, they had been behind a lot of this, has spent months telling each other that, uh, uh, that anyone who sells is a traitor or a coward to the cause. So they saw this offering as a stab in the back. Doesn't matter that GameStop needs the money if they want to pull off some kind of dramatic turnaround. As for AMC, it's the same story. When your CEO is urging investors to approve an authorization to create 500 million additional shares, it's tough to call the stock undervalued, isn't it? Adam Aaron, the savvy chief executive, saw his chance to raise money as he battles against the bondholders to stay alive. Guy needs capital. Why wouldn't he do a fundraiser with the stock up 400%? He'd be nuts not to. In the end, these younger investors feel abandoned. They don't know what happened to the gods of momentum. Turns out they were fickle. Not false, just fickle. The people who started chasing hot stocks last year just want their money back. Just like they get a refund if they bought a broken vacuum cleaner. But the stock market isn't Best Buy. It's a caveat emptor institution. Meaning, buyer beware. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise you I'd find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 